Oh, I like, I like. Geez, you're coming out with some crackers tonight, Stack. Um, <laughs> oh, I am. <laughs> the, you never uh, know. It's like I'm literally doing no. I have no college work at the moment, and I just have all day to be thinking about this. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Three Amigos FBL pod ahead of Game Week 23. I'm your host Don and I'm joined as always by my amiga Kylie. Our buddy Mars has been detained by the Dubai police under suspicion of murdering Spice Girl songs in search of ever more Twitter followers. I've advised his legal team to claim that it was in fact Backstreet Boys he was singing. Hopefully Mars will get home in one piece and he's enjoying watching of course his boys Palestine over there. So um, best of luck, Marzi, and best of luck to Palestine. Uh, we are joined, of course, myself and Kylie, by the FBL pundit known simply as The Kid. It is, of course, our friend, the FBL stag. Welcome back to the Amigos, buddy. Thanks very much, Don. It's great to be on. Yeah, great to have you. Um, tell us, uh, Kylie, how was, uh, I'll come to you first, ladies first, gentlemen as we are, stag. Um, so, um, Kylie, tell us about game week 22. How is it going so far? Of course, we're in the second half of Man City versus Wolves, and it's currently 2-0 as we speak. But um, tell us about game week 22 for you. Well, I'm just pretending that that match is not happening um, because I don't have any coverage in that. So it doesn't mean anything good for me, um, whatever happens in that match at this stage. Um, in terms of the game week overall, I'm on 79 points minus a hit. So really happy this week. I've had a bit of a tumultuous time over Christmas and I made the decision. I did have two free transfers, but I made the decision to get rid of Alonso as part of a big move to bring in Salah. Um, obviously, there's a lot of talk at the moment about whether people should get rid of Alonso you know, we know that their Chelsea is still quite strong in terms of cl- keeping clean sheets, but his attacking returns have dried up. For me, it was less about Alonso. I just I discussed this last week on the pod, um, and it was more about the fact that I have quite a strong defence. And to be honest, I was just absolutely going up the 50-50 calls with the bench every week. So I just wanted someone that was bench fodder that I could throw there and just throw the money into attack. So it worked out really well for me. My defense all managed to get me returns. So I had uh, the lovely Dinier this time, unlike that 17-point haul which sat on the bench. <laughs> so I, I feel vindicated in that decision, um, which is really good. And to be honest, coming out of a really strange week like this one where we saw Burnley winning 2-1, I think it was, with zero shots on target, and then Wambasaka getting three bonus in a 2-1 defeat it was a strange week. So to come out of it with a good result is very satisfying. Yeah, one thing you had, when you mentioned there that there's not much to play for tonight, of course, there's um, the main thing you'd be hoping would be loan ownership players or low ownership players to... Um, yeah to do something and maybe no clean sheets out there. But um, as Stag was actually mentioning in the pre-show, Stag, tell us where Gabriel Jesus currently ranks among um, forwards, what ownership and what rank is he? He is currently ranked 23rd for ownership amongst the top 10K for forwards with uh, 0.1%. So it has to to really hurt 
Yeah, it has to really hurt um, Aguero owners, of course, coming up at a brace when um, and one of them from the penalty spot as well. But uh, yeah. the uh, yeah, my 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 own game was was a good one. I actually spurred a moment. I mentioned on Twitter I did a spur of the moment triple captain on Salah. I brought in Salah for a hit. Um, I brought in Ericsson, Salah, and um, and Rashford for Kane, um, Hazard, and who was the other one I brought out as well? Um, who was the other player? The candidate just escaped me at the moment, but it was um, it was oh, that was it. It was like Ericsson, Ericsson, Salah, and um, and Rashford in. Anyway, and the, it it returned well for me. Obviously, I triple captain on Salah, and whilst it wasn't anything to to knock my socks off, eleven point hole, I'm relatively happy with that because triple captainships in in years gone by for me have often just come up with absolute duds where I've gotten double game week returns of of basically appearance points. So I'm relatively happy so it's basically looking like I think if Jimenez does nothing tonight it'll be 86 minus four so um so a nice a nice bump and a nice green arrow uh for my birthday so um and thanks to everyone for for the birthday wishes at the at the weekend had a great one um stag tell us about your game week 22 what's uh um, who who had you had you Kane I didn't have Kane no uh, it was pretty solid going for me I actually almost made the same transfer as you just um I didn't need to make as many in that I took out Hazard and Kane to bring in Salah and Rashford and so I've, I'm currently out. I was okay before Man City took on Wolves. I was on 68 points and then had uh, Leroy Sane and Doherty to go. So Doherty looks like he might come in with one point or a miraculous goal or assist if I'm fortunate in the last half hour of that game. But Leroy Sane has already returned there, so I'll break 70 points anyway for the game week. Maybe not with the minus four taken into account. So Robertson, Digne. Pogba, Salah captain and Rashford all were all of my players who had more than five. Unfortunately, I had D up on the bench, so I could have had a little bit more. But mm. most importantly, what that game week does for me is it's my first green, game, green arrow in three game weeks. So it quells a bleed where I'd fallen from 31k-ish to 102k. Um, so at least I'm now back well ensconced within the top 100k. But there's uh, a lot to do again to even get back to where I was. It seems like every single time I get to... About the 30k rank, I fall down. I've hit 32k and then fallen back. I hit 31k and then fell back. So hopefully I can get up there eventually. It's kind of tough because uh, I mentioned on a previous podcast it was it, it this season for me it seems because when you have made I made a fast start and when when I've been up there I haven't kind of gone up or down that much each week. Even if I had a kind of below average game week. I've kind of been bumping around between that kind of between 13 and say 35. I've kind of been going up and down there and I've noticed in the mini leagues, there is actually a little bit of a gap opening between say me and the, and the teams who are just behind me. There might be like 30 points between. Um, and while that doesn't sound like a lot and it isn't really, it's, um, there's a little bit of a bumper there each game week that I'm not kind of go, getting too many, I'm not getting too many red arrows in those mini leagues. Um, yeah, you see, but, uh, I, don't want, I don't want to make it a tribal discussion or anything, but I think what's actually insulating you and protecting you for once is um, the the crest you like to wear on your jersey, Liverpool, because yeah. you mm-hmm. haven't been selling Liverpool players, whereas the likes of myself have been like, oh, I can surely sell Salah and you know bring in someone else. Uh-huh. And get them for a few weeks. Well, yeah, funny enough, has actually punished me. And you also had Shakiri as well mm. at one point, Sha- so you had you go, quite yeah. a lot of. Liverpool. Chicken. See, my my fortunes have been quite similar to yours, Stag, because I have had a good week and then 
sort of plummeted a bit. And while I haven't been falling outside of the 100K, it's sort of been like 90-ish, um, you know, then back down to 40 and then up to 70 and, and all of this nonsense. So I think yeah. I'm about 52K this week. Uh, so I, I nearly halved my rank, but it, it's been really hard to get any kind of momentum, certainly mm-hmm. in the last couple of months. Yeah, yeah, funny enough though, the, you know, the, the thing with Liverpool players, we actually spoke last week on Liverpool players and Man City players and people actually doing very well over the festive period without having any Liverpool or Man City attackers if they just had the money invested in like Aubameyang and Kane as much as Aubameyang has been a little bit quiet in the last couple of weeks. But um, I know that I personally, the Shakiri was my only attacking Liverpool player for quite a while and I haven't actually had a Man City attacker. Um, since I sold Sané about five weeks ago. So it's been kind of, um, it's been more, I think, the, the having, obviously, when you're insulated, you know, with, with higher ownership players, um, it, it there is a feeling and it is an element of boredom sets in after a little bit of time, which probably is the reason why I did just decided to do my birthday triple captainship. But the uh, it's it's kind of when you do have high ownership players, there isn't as many rise and falls when you're, um, you know, and we're all doing very well. In all fairness, I think a lot of our listeners are probably listening on. Don't be complaining about us buffing around the 60, 70, 100K even mark at this point in the season. But uh, we'll uh, hopefully hopefully we'll all push on a little bit more. Um, I'm about 17K at the moment, I think, um, before this we, um, tonight's match. So um, we'll, we'll see how we go with that. Sané getting an assist and Sterling getting an assist. Sané in particular, that might well uh, might push it down a little bit more. Um, let's move on, folks. Normally we do talk about um, the, the updates, the standings update, but um, I don't actually want to go into that tonight because of the match ongoing and with a lot of kind of high ownership players in both Wolves and Man City. So um, I'll, we might actually give an update for that on uh, on social. So stay tuned on Twitter and we'll give a shout out to the managers who are doing well on that one. Uh, Mars's rant of the week, of course. Normally, we do give it to our boy Mars, who um, who builds, uh, who gets rid of any of his um, his excess fantasy angst. And um, but in his absence, um, Stag, have you got anything that you'd like to get off your chest? Maybe, uh, no, maybe honestly, any, have any, have any here popped up there ago. until recently? No. <laughs> no. If you'd asked me a week ago, I'd have had a, a really good rant to have about just FTL, like just betraying me and everything going wrong. But this week, I think I'm just going to take. Happy contentment. So perhaps we'll um, change the mood of the rant for one week and just talk about the pleasantness of FPL and just enjoy the game that we have here and all of our ranks in the top 100k. Okay, lovely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Maybe, uh, maybe I'll, maybe I'll just put a little bit of bi- like what's the name uh, pipe music maybe in the background there and we can just <laughs> do a little jig. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little bit of happy jig. Um, the big topic of the week, of course, then is our is our next is our next section of the show. And um, in this one, I do kind of tend to pick the, the, the thing that the people in the community are talking about. For me this week, it's all about, of course, it's about Spurs, really. And um, the Hyung Min Sung, who's been uh, who's been brilliant for Spurs of late and for his fantasy managers. And of course, then Harry, Red, or Harry Redknapp. Do you hear me? Harry Redknapp's injury. Um, Stag, what do you think of Harry Redknapp's um Injury that he picked up the last day. Um, he had a tough time in the jungle. Picked up an awful injury there. Hasn't quite recovered from it yet. He did. I, know, I, have right, to yeah. say, I have to say, Harry's got great. He's in great shape for a man of his age. <laughs> <laughs> you really enjoyed him, Celebrity. So did you? <laughs> 
Yeah, but uh, no, the, the, of yes, course, the injury of Harry Kane. Ben Dinnery's initial thoughts were two to four weeks, but um, he's not confirming anything as of yet because until until real concrete information comes out. Uh, vigilant managers will, of course, be prepared for uh, their plan for Son, who leaves on international duty. But what of Kane? Um, Kylie, as you're the only owner of Kane, current owner of Kane um, on the pod tonight, um, tell us, tell us, what's your plans? Um, plans for him? He's like a plum fixture against Fulham, of course, has been looking lovely on the horizon. Um, but it looks like he might actually miss that. So, so what? What's your plans at the moment? Yeah, it, it's an interesting one. On the one hand, I kind of think not great for him or Spurs, indeed, but. Um, the opportunity to sell an expensive player like Kane without a backlash uh, does inject a lot of funds in. I do, however, since uh, my team is quite strong and I have Salah in, um, I do tend to think that it could it could be a little bit annoying because it makes it a lot easier for other people to, to now get him in if they don't have him. Um, in terms of what I would do, look, I don't have City at the moment. I don't have any City attack. And it is the one area that I would like to rectify. So the debate for me, if Kane is out, would be, do I look to get Aguero in in a straight swap or do I look at bolstering the midfield? It's quite tricky with the forwards at the moment. Um, I've had Rashford for a good long while now. And I think he's really the prime target for a lot of people who don't have him. And so I could see a lot of people downgrading Kane to Rashford and then bolstering their midfield. That's not really relevant for me. So I would need to decide whether it's Sterling or Aguero that I would want to bring in. I think it's really tricky. I mean, on the one hand, obviously Fulham is an attractive fixture, and Spurs indeed still have good fixtures. So in theory, you would want to have a piece of that action, but it's really difficult to know what they're going to be producing over the coming weeks. I mean, Son has obviously been fantastic and he's away. Kane now looks injured. I mean, I understand that the swelling is quite considerable, so that will need to go down before he gets a scan. But even though it's not his sort of dodgy ankle, you would think that there would be some degree um, of, of timeout. As you said, Ben is saying two to four weeks, possibly. And so they're going to need to find goals somewhere. Moore is injured at the moment, I believe. Sissoko's out now. Lamel is a bit crap, um, historically. <laughs> and, um, like, that's the diagnosis, the official one. Um, and then... You know, there's Ali and Ericsson. I'd worry that Ericsson would go a bit deep. Ali, I think Ali has historically done well when Kane has been out, but they've had Son in the team at the time. So it's all a bit of a a disaster zone. Um, and I, I kind of really, I want to see uh, how it shakes out with them because mm. they, uh, it's, it's, I would have no idea where to look if I was interested in sticking with Spurs in some form. Yeah, I know, because uh, like me personally, as myself and Stag, of course, um, we sold um, Kane for Rashford last week, so that's taken that decision out of our hands. 
but me personally, when I brought in Ericsson for um, I brought in Ericsson for Hazard, um, the other actually transfer was Shakiri for Salah was the one I was trying to remember earlier on. But um, I probably, in hindsight now, with Kane, if Kane's going to miss, I probably would have gone for one of the Man City midfielders instead of Ericsson. Because I do think that um, the two of them are such a brilliant double act, Kane and Ericsson, that I had confidence um, in Ericsson. Kind of, you know, he's been in great form this season and really kind of bringing in some big holes um, in the absence of Son. But uh, yeah, no, that would have probably been in hindsight. If I had that decision to make now, I probably would be looking to maybe avoid Spurs um, as much as their fixtures are good, because I don't know what they look like with with Lorente. Um, what are you thinking, Stag? So I looked into what Spurs have done without Harry Kane in previous seasons. Now, he hadn't missed a Premier League game at all this season. He came off the bench all right, but he hasn't actually missed a game completely. Season before that, he missed just one game. So we're going back to 2016-17 to get any idea of how Spurs play without Harry Kane. So this is a time when they did have Son, they did have Ali, they did have Ericsson, etc. The only new addition since then really is, well, Lamella was pretty much injured all the time, so I don't know if he was around or not at that point. But, um, you know, and he's, he's, and he's, and he's crap anyway as well, yeah. Yeah, 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 or, yeah exactly. Kylie's written crap and digit. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Lucas Moura was obviously not at the club at that point. Now, between game week 6 to 10 in 2016-17, uh, that's five game weeks, Spurs had initially went quite well without Kane, Winning against Borough and Manchester City, that was Guardiola's first loss in English football and pretty much precipitated their collapse. If you remember, City had a really good start at the start of that season. But then they went on to draw with West Brom, Bournemouth, Leicester, and they actually didn't win a game in all competition for seven games. So in the five league games that they played without Kane at that point, scored six times with Ali getting two of those, Ericsson only getting an assist in that, in that time. Um, whereas Ericsson was doing quite a lot of the shooting. He had 23 shots in that time, six in the box, but none of those were big chances, whereas Dele Alli had 12 shots, seven of those being in the box, three big chances. Now, if you're reading, I read through all the match reports from that period as well when looking at this. I love the research, Stag. Yeah, yeah, I really went into this one. And what's clear from that is that the key for Spurs in what they did well at that point was the man who has now gone to play in the Asian Cup, Song Hyun Man. Um, he scored in the five games, he had two goals and one assist, but in reality, his his actual effect on the team seems to have been much more pronounced than his returns suggest. Later on that season, between game weeks 29 and 32, uh, Kane came on as a late sub in game week 32, so I'm going to say that that's somewhat relevant for this point as well. They scored 11 goals, so Pochettino really worked out how to play without Kane and also without Vincent Janssen, who he had tried to use in the earlier period. and that had Oh, failed. dear God, yeah. Yeah, yeah, don't say the name. Not about you, him. Did you actually see a, a journalist ask him about Vincent Janssen during the week? Like, would he be coming in um, right over the weekend after the United match if Janssen would be coming in? And he said, no, he's not part of my team. So, <laughs> well, so, says it all. You think Lamella but is that's bad. bad given that Lamella is in the team. You know. Yeah, there you go. If you think Lamella is bad, what does Potch think of poor Vincent Janssen? Anyway, in that period, Spurs scored 11 goals, played mostly weaker teams, so you know, take this with a pinch of salt. Son, again, was the one who was really smashing it. He got four goals and one assist. Ericsson got two goals and two assists. Deli Alli, three goals, two assists, but one of those goals was from the penalty spot, which perhaps tells us that it will be Deli Alli who will be on penalties in the absence of Harry Kane. 
Now, mm. what we can see from Potch's adaptation, I'm sorry, this is a very long answer, but what Poch does in that in that period and how he kind of moved was that instead of playing with this idea where he has Kane up front with maybe three attackers in behind him, which is kind of how he still plays today, he instead moved towards a three-man forward line with Ali Son or Ericsson or Ali Son and a shudder for you, Kylie Lamella, up mm-hmm. front, Ericsson playing in behind them. So maybe in today's with today's team without Son, you might be looking at kind of Lamella, Ali, Lucas with Ericsson in behind them. Like you, you were saying there that Lucas is injured at the moment. He only failed a he failed a late fitness test on me. Yeah, I think he should be. He's, he's very back likely imminently. Back. Yeah. Yeah, I think even if he's coming on with a limp, he'll be playing this weekend. So <laughs> yeah, for lack of other options. Beyond that, yeah, exactly. So. I guess what does this tell you is that I think Deli Ali is the best option of the Spurs players. But as you say, Kylie, perhaps the money that you can use from Kane being out is really allows you to do the surgery on your team you wanted to do for weeks, but you just didn't have the budget to do. Um, if you really trust Spurs, I think it's Deli Ali. If you have um, much more yeah. bigger problems to fix, I think fix those. Yeah. And on the Ali thing, I guess part of the concern as well would be that. 2016, so we're talking 2016, 17, right? Correct. And uh, Deli Ali was much stronger than, um, you know, and certainly seemed to be. I mean, I know this is kind of much earlier on in his uh, Spurs attacking career when he was playing, but um, he, he just kind of seems to have gone downhill a little bit as an option. I know he hasn't played as many minutes this season, um, but. There was a lot of momentum for him um, during those earlier seasons. And so, you know, as you said, I think the fact that Son is gone as well is is a massive factor. So we don't know what this team is going to look like because we don't really have a comparison. Yeah, Kane absolutely. has been out, but Son has always been the guy that comes in and steps up in Kane's absence. And, and I think so, as well, if you I'm oh, sorry. No, go on. Well, I think if you as well, if you're to compare the what Son does for the team when playing as a central striker versus what say Lucas Moura or Lamella offer, they're both quite selfish players. They both tend to have a go themselves. They don't try to bring players in. Whereas Son is, you know, he's a bit selfish, but he's certainly capable of bringing other players into the game. And I think that will be, you know, you can't compare like with like a. You know, the, the attacking tridents that we were kind of looking at um, that Spurs used in 2016-17, they're absolutely nothing like what they would be using today, really, in terms of the personnel that are winning there. And just, yeah, just to back up what you were saying about Deli Ali, that was a, a season where he scored 18 goals and got 11 assists. So we're yeah. more than halfway through this season and he's only got four goals and two assists. And um, tell me, Stag, what was Leaving Cert? What was Leaving Cert English um, Shakespearean novel on 16-17? Oh, that was, that was the year you... after I did it. Oh, <laughs> was it? Oh, years, I, I thought I, I did nailed. Yeah, no, I think that's two years after, a year or two after I did it. Yeah, for our so English, for our English listeners, these. that's the A-levels, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but uh, no, the, uh, the one name we didn't actually mention there was Fernando Lorente. He's uh, obviously yeah, the for, for, forgotten man. Yeah, I know, but one thing, he didn't actually look too bad when he came on. Um, like He had almost, almost put it on a plate for Kane for the equaliser, the lady equaliser. But um, it, I, he's one that, put it this way, in draft, I'm going to be picking him up as um, as a priority this week, if I can at all. Um, but because uh, well, he, he could have an interesting couple of weeks. Poch has certainly, you know, this season, 
at least um, Kane hasn't been playing as many matches, and by that I don't just mean Premier League. Historically, we would see Kane absolutely flogged in every match, even the most ridiculous cup matches. And so while it's not a huge amount of minutes, um, Lorente has been involved in the team more than, say, Janssen was. So mm. um, given the, the situation, uh, he's probably at home uh, eating popcorn and, and celebrating um, because he, he might. He, I think he will have to get a chance. Surely. Yeah, he, he would be a he'd be an unbelievable um risky punt. But um mm-hmm. but you know what? It maybe maybe he'd be um for someone who's uh, who like that wants to who has a wants to upgrade say um their cheapest chips um enabler midfielder to Salah and then bring him in for um and bring him in then for Kane. Maybe it might be a move that might work for some people with the fixtures. Um, and and with Kane, like with Ali and Ericsson behind, um, any forward could look could look decent and could score in in, in good fixtures. But um, yeah, it'll be an interesting to keep an eye on this uh, on the Spurs situation. Um, folks, let's move on to our Bonk, Mary and Stalk section of the show. So of course, in this segment, we look at the top performers in the previous game week who will inevitably be receiving thousands of new owners. But are they Bonk, Mary or Stalk candidates for our amigos? So Kylie, I'll come to you first. And we, as always, we start with the goalkeepers. Um, Mark Etheridge, he's a player I wanted to talk about this week. Um, I admit to having dismissed him as an option, and yet there he is with the second most points at the position after 22 weeks. Um, what is your bonk, marry or stalk rating on him at this point? Um, a lot of managers, of course, are lamenting their pickup of Guaita this uh, this weekend, or Guaita um, from Quirrell Palace, um, who, according to the great Ben Dinnery, um, the, 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 the quotes don't sound too promising with him. It sounds like it is a muscle thing and not you know, it wasn't something that um, that is like it's just a bit of something he needed to run off or shake off. It sounds like it might keep him out for a little bit of time. But um, what's your thoughts on Cardiff goalkeeper Mark Etheridge? Well, I don't know about Mark, but I think Neil Etheridge uh, is an interesting. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I knew. I knew as I was saying it. That just doesn't sound right. Look, listen, Kylie. Yeah. Kylie, if if I if I got everything right and ever on a podcast, you'd know that I've been replaced by some by some Germanic body clone. snatcher. Yeah, that's true. It's it's how we know you're authentic, you. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah. Okay. So Etheridge is interesting. Um. Obviously, earlier in the season, he came up in the in this segment because he just had two back to back penalty saves which will obviously draw a 4.5 keeper into anyone's thoughts. And at the time, I think we'd said that they had some tricky fixtures and and really that at that early stage of the season, you probably don't want to be looking at changing your goalkeeper. I think the situation's slightly different now, purely because there will be a number of people who've been caught out with the Palace goalkeeper situation and therefore looking at a replacement in that price bracket. For me personally, I'm quite content to just leave Fabianski there until an injury or a wildcard situation. But if you are, as many are, looking at someone, he's definitely a worthy option. I mean, bear in mind, Cardiff has kept six clean sheets, I believe. So that's the same as City, unless City have just kept a clean sheet uh, today, which I'm mm-hmm. not sure of. But uh, he's on 14 bonus, 82 saves, three penalty saves, and he's second in the goalkeeper rankings. So that's pretty impressive at 4.6. He's had four double-figure 
returns. And what's interesting about this is that those returns were at home to Huddersfield, away to Leicester, away to Crystal Palace, and then at home to Newcastle. And then he got a further two clean sheets playing against Huddersfield again and Southampton. So it tells us that against the lower sides, he can be quite consistent. And if you look at their forward fixtures, so over the next five, they play Newcastle, Arsenal, Bournemouth, Southampton, Watford. And then I think they don't play another top six side until game week 32. So at that stage, you're kind of looking at wild cards and with double game weeks and with blank game weeks coming onto the horizon. So if you're someone who doesn't have a keeper at the moment, at 4.6, he could be a really viable option to come in. He's got mostly good fixtures right up until that point. It's really essential for Cardiff that they manage to secure some points. And to be honest, the way that they've been doing that really is is by getting these clean sheets and, and nil-all draws in boring games. So, uh, you know, for a keeper, that's absolutely what you want to see. You don't really care otherwise. So mm. I think... Um, I think I'd I'd call him probably a bonk and I'd call him that because I don't think towards the end of the season that he's going to be the one that you want in there, but he's certainly um, a valuable candidate uh, to lead you up until the sort of pre-double game week wildcard period if that's the strategy that you're going with. Great stuff. Thanks, me and Kylie. Um, we'll come to you on the next one and then Stag we're going to go on with Declan Rice so I know he's a, he's a player to you I believe of a Muren team but he looks like a quality young player and I for one really enjoyed seeing the pure joy on his face after winning the game for his team against Arsenal he's a defender playing out of position um, and with the Hammers fixture list is he an option for those getting off the Arnie Anderson train but wanting to maybe to keep a finger in the uh, the Hammers pie so looking at Declan Rice, I just don't think that anyone who's bringing him in should be considering him as a replacement for the likes of Arnautovic or Felipe Anderson. Mm. It's it's just not comparing like with like. Okay, sure he is playing in midfield, but in truth you can't compare. Defensive, him. yeah. Yeah, exactly. You can't compare him to other West Ham midfielders. He's so much cheaper for a start. He's in a totally different price bracket. He plays a completely different role. He's in a different position in FPL, so you're going to get points in a different way. To also, to get him in, you're going to have to use two transfers. It's not like you can just move Philippe Anderson out or an out of it out and put in Declan Rice. You're going to have to do another transfer anyway. And I don't think that you're going to be really rejigging two places in your team to try and fit in a West Ham player now that their fixtures are actually turning. As well, his his chances for goals don't really come from open play. He's had, in the last 10 games, he's had an average of one shot per game. Half of those were headed. Just two of them came from open play. Most of them, most of those came from set pieces, basically, is what I'm saying. Whereas the likes of Arnautovic, if he doesn't move away, uh, Philippe Anderson, now Nasri, Snodgrass, etc. Like, they're all getting open play opportunities as well as maybe the odd thing off set piece or something. Mm. That said... If you're looking at defensive transfers and you're looking at West Ham defenders for whatever ungodly reason, he is a better option than Dia, uh, who is like the player that I actually own right now. Um, and he's certainly, you know, in the absence of Balbuena, he is definitely the best option anyway. He provides, he definitely is like providing more of a goal scoring 
uh, threat mm. than any of the rest of them. Not really an assist threat compared to the others, but regardless, points come from goals, really. Um, yeah. West Ham defenders. Uh, look, their, their fixtures are turning. You probably have Fabianski or D up already in your team because of those West Ham fixtures that were so good up until now. If you're using a wild card, yeah, he's definitely a good enabler. And he is one of the best defenders for less than 4.5 million. But when you consider the options that are there for 0.1 more, the likes of Bamba from Cardiff, who has got good fixtures coming up, Aaron Wan-Bissaka, who just is the gift that keeps on giving, etc. There are better options there, even amongst defenders. So, look, good player. You should probably consider him if you really want him, but I just don't think that he's either the answer to your West Ham replacement question, nor your chief defender you should bring in question. Yeah, um, I, was, I actually had a laugh. I think the FAI did um, tweet it out a happy birthday message to him today for him wearing an Ireland shirt. But, uh, it's the new kit as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. so many questions about, is, that, is, is he wearing a kit from that's been released since he... You know, decided to not play for the team and oh, they're trying to date ages and stuff. <laughs> oh, it's yeah, pretty funny. But uh, they let's move on. Let's move on to a bona fide midfielder stag, and uh, that is the one and only Paul Pogba. Um, one blank in five games since Ole took over. He looks like a man playing against boys at the moment. Um, it's hard to pick out a better midfield option, perhaps outside of Mo Salah. But what are your thoughts on it as a Man United fan? Also, to those who haven't brought him in yet, should they bite the bullet and um, get and pay the price, or are they likely to be chasing points? So, what's your thinking on Pogba essential? And you have to tell us whether you whether you would bonk, marry, or stalk Pogba as well. <laughs> trying to avoid that part of the question um, so, <laughs> you can't escape right. it <laughs> so Paul Pogba okay um, I'm going to try and be avoid being repetitive about him because he's been well discussed in recent weeks mm. because Man United all of a sudden just became options so we'll start with the new stat that's been talked about this week since Ole Gunnar Solskjaer took charge of Manchester United they've scored 15 Premier League goals that's overperforming on their XG of 10.68 in that time but regardless it's still a bit of an overperformance but a lot of their goals, or their opportunities anyway, have come from fast breaks. And that was something we really saw when they were playing against Spurs. They've gone from one of the least counter-attacking teams in the division to the most counter-attacking team in the division statistically. Now, Pogba isn't the player who's going to score off those counter-attacks. That's more likely to be Rashford, as we saw last weekend, or perhaps Martial if it went the other way, or maybe Lingard if it breaks in a certain way. But Pogba is likely to be the player who feeds it, um, as we did see against Spurs. Um, he is just a fantastic passer of the ball. Um, he has created the most chances of Solskjaer's reign, 13 of them. Uh, he's created the most big chances in the United team as well, and those have yielded the most assists for. Only Ryan Fraser and James Madison have created more chances in the Premier League since Ole Gunnar Solskjaer took charge of Manchester United, but they created less big chances and they picked up fewer assists, which is probably a reflection of the teams that they play in. In terms of goal threat, it's easy to say to be lazy and just say, oh, Pogba takes long shots, la 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 la, he's got lucky. But the, the reality is that 50% of his shots have been in the box, 50% have not. It's uh, 22 shots split evenly. And like, he's very good accuracy as well. He does. It's over 60%. Yeah, it's like 68% or something I saw. But he has the most attempts of all midfielders, and he's second of all to Kane, um, who just has two more attempts in the five games. And he's up around the top of the table as well for shots in the box, too. Uh, overall and amongst midfielders. Um, look, all of Pogba's averages are up since Solskjaer took charge. His shots, his passes, key passes, expected goals, and all the sorts of things that bring bonus points as well, such as touches and dribbles, take-ons. His dispositions and tackle count are up 
but you know that's all right because the fact of the matter is his attacking returns are so good that his positive plays are offsetting anything that might risk his bonus points otherwise. Look, to put it shortly, you are not chasing points if you bring in Paul Pogba. You are making a very good move, which it seems is backed up by statistics or any eye test that you want to use if you want to take a more Gilesian approach to things. Uh, so, yes, bye, Pogba. I love that, Gilesian. <laughs> but specifically, aside from buying Pogba, would you marry or bonk him? Uh, you just have to marry, say it. Actually. Not marry, I think marry. Yeah. He'd marry Pogba. Yeah. Yeah, I think he'd, yeah, you might be doing a lot of late night phone calls wondering where he is, I think Stag, but, but um, <laughs> it'd be well, fun I, while it lasted. Uh, I don't know, like, would it be more fun than your life with Redknapp? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, having a, what's Jam Rollies? Jam Rolly Polies. <laughs> <laughs> something along those lines Kylie Calvert-Lewin so um, move on to the forwards now I picked this one and I have to say this one is a little bit of uh, uh, one um, inspired by my uh, my 12 year old my eldest lad he brought him in a few weeks ago as a cheap rotational forward and it's becoming one of those uh, traditions each weekend where he'll turn knowingly to me and uh, smile at me when it, whenever he gets a goal or an assist and go yeah I got him in a few weeks ago, uh, but uh, the sm- smug little chap. But um, he scored or assisted in four of the last six fixtures. So um, they like Everton's fixtures look good as we've discussed many times in the pod, and he is seems to be getting game time now. So what's your thinking? Is he a bonk marrier stock? I think he's a stock for me. Um, the thing about him is, so his two goals and two assists. Um, in the last six, right? So for someone who's 5.3, that's really respectable. The issue is his minutes. Um, Given the fact that they, you know, they haven't really been scoring a huge amount of of goals during the recent run, you'd think that maybe he would have been getting more consistent minutes during that period. But um, it seems like Silva keeps kind of changing it up each week in terms of the um, the structure at the top. So we, we've seen Richarlison playing up front, then we've seen him going out wide. So we've seen all sorts of different things. Calvert-Lewin's 5.3. My issue here with him is it's largely the price point, right? Because for an extra 0.2, you can get Ings. Now, I know that Ings is injured, but we are anticipating that he will be back quite imminently based on what we've said, we've we've heard. Southampton have good fixtures and Ings plays consistently. And he's been a good goal scorer for Southampton. Um, then you have the option of going down further because there are cheaper options. You know, you have Kamara and Success and all of these guys who definitely don't play all of the time, but they are super cheap and it releases more funds. I feel like Calvert-Lewin is kind of in this slightly awkward price range where he's not so much cheaper than those who are playing most of the minutes. And so given his minutes, I would consider him as as a, a bench option. But if I was only going to consistently bench him, then I'd probably want to just plumb mm. much lower and and put it else put the money elsewhere. That being said, you know, in the instance of your son, he's obviously done well out of him. I love the little smug smile thing, by the way. 
Um, <laughs> so he's done really well out of him. Whether that's going to continue is debatable. And so my concern would be whether it's a, a bit of a points chasing thing to be jumping on him at this stage. So I'd probably watch and see because I think he has, you know, with the, the fact that he's been contributing in recent weeks, he warrants more time on on the field. So we'll see what happens there. But for me, it would definitely be a stalk. Yeah, nice one. Yeah, he kind of falls between two stools, I guess, price mm. point wise. He's um, a little bit too expensive, as you said. Yeah, if he's just going to be sitting there all the time. But, uh, you know, it'd be interesting to see if he does get more minutes because um, I think what Silva seems to be doing is trying out them and seeing who will perform up top behind kind of the established Siggy and uh, Richarlison combo and kind of seeing who's who's going to provide the goals um, ahead of them. Um, so he's definitely putting his hand up. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. Uh, folks, thanks a million. That's the end of our Bonk Marrier Stalk section of the show. Um, there was actually a bit of a bonus question, which I wanted to uh, to bring to you. It was from um, from our friend uh, John Grifters United. He was he was basically asking us, who would be our three top players on our stalk list? So unowned as of yet, but... Uh, but um, but planning on bringing in before the end of the season. So Stag, can you give me who would be on your say watch list that you've got your eye on, and you kind of have a good idea that you're going to be bringing them in at some point, but you don't own them as of yet. Um, so top of that list is probably Ricardo Pereira. Leicester's fixtures are a little bit poor right now, but he's really kind of come around from basically from game week 27 onwards. It's um it's a green street for them. So I'd probably be looking to bring them in around then. But to be honest, even if you brought them in earlier, even if they're playing Liverpool United and Spurs, he could still score a freak goal or get a freak assist as he has a bit of a penchant for doing. I only have Leroy Sané from Manchester City right now. And as they complete a 3-0 victory against Wolves by the looks of it, I am pretty wary of not having any more City players than Leroy Sané. So I guess just the greater entity that is City attackers, probably you could probably call that... Raheem Sterling for slash Sergio Aguero. Um, yeah, they'd be on my stock list. And then Liverpool defensive double up is definitely on the agenda for me going forward. I've had Andy Robertson since um, I think my very first draft of a team, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, and I've never sold him all season, but I'm starting to believe that maybe I should have had a second Liverpool defender all season and it would be a lot easier. Uh, we're going to f- cover something similar to that later on in the show. Yeah. But yeah. A second Liverpool defender. Good stuff. Um, thanks, Milstag and Kylie. What about yourself? Yeah. So uh, at the moment, after recent restructure, I'm, I'm pretty happy with my team. But as I mentioned earlier, I don't have any city at all, and specifically don't have city attack. So I would also say the larger entity that is City for me as well, and that really does come down to Sterling and Aguero being the main attractions there. So in the very immediate future, I am planning to invest in in one of those. Um, I'm also really interested in Pereira going forward, not quite at the moment. As Stag said, they have a few dodgy fixtures coming up, but after that, they have an amazing looking run. And I think he's got two goals and five assists. So He's looking really interesting despite the fact that um, they're not so great at keeping clean sheets, but we've seen so many 
attacking defenders like Doherty, Dinier, these kind of guys who aren't necessarily keeping clean sheets, but they've been doing really well um, and delivering fairly consistent attacking returns at quite nice prices. The other one, and this is for a little bit later down the track, is uh, Son. And this is one that I kick myself over because I am a huge fan of him and He's one of those players that people always assume that I will have in my team because I always do have him in my team, um, historically speaking. And this season, I just didn't do it. And I don't know why I debated so many weeks um, during his amazing run and then something happened and I had to look a different way. So I completely missed out on him during this period. And he's kind of the one that I sort of regret now, I, as I said, I've, I've concerns about Spurs at the moment, but I am going to be interested to see how things shake out and how he looks when he gets back, regardless of fixtures, because I love his smiling face so much. <laughs> yeah, I know. I actually got in Son earlier on the season, and I uh, didn't have the patience. I, had some, I think some other fire came up, and... I um I sacrificed him, but uh the you know, he's he, like likewise I think I definitely will have him in before the end of the season as well. Pure um, love bug. He's a pure love bug. Well, listen, we know what you've uh, we know it, we know the way you treat you treat your love bugs. No, that's, that's different. No, don't, different. Don't, don't say yeah, it. we we won't say it. Um, let's move on to our listener questions because we've got a ton in this week. Um, so thanks very much to everyone for sending them in. Um, first up, we did mention, and Stag, you did uh, suggest that there was actually quite a lot of questions to do with um, Liverpool double-ups and uh, so on. I've grouped our listener questions kind of into sections, and the first one is kind of covers a lot of Liverpool talk, Salah, um, defensive double-ups, and um, Bobby Firmino specifically. Um, so I'll just run through a few of the questions, and I'll come to you first, Stag, on it. Um, Dave from Burnley, he was on about uh, Firmino. Is he being in- ignored for out-of-form and the more expensive Aubameyang? Firmino has four nice fixtures now, three are at home, and he's a golden ticket a game in Game Week 31, of course. Um, FBL family, Lee, was, um, was talking about a double-up in defence or attack for LFC. Um, and also thoughts on Shakiri. I uh, personally think he will see a lot of minutes as Klopp sees him as a key to unlocking deeper and tighter defences, which LFC will see a lot of, of course, in the next few weeks. Um, I have to say I 100% agree. I hated selling Shakiri myself, but um, I, I decided I would sell him rather than Richarlison or Anderson. I, that was kind of my toss-up decision, but uh, but yeah, I, I didn't like selling him because he does look like he's um, he is the key for, for Liverpool in midfield creatively this season. Um, Adam Hopcroft was actually replying to um, about that Shakiri shout or whether to double up in the Liverpool attack um, and basically mentioned about how Liverpool's defence is better, in his opinion, um, assuming most people will have Salah. Um, and John Woldridge was asking Warwick Poker SOC was asking is Salah worth a minus eight? So a little bit of, of everything there for you, Stag. But um, first of all, what's your thinking on Bobby Firmino? And um, and then you can talk a little bit more on that um, Liverpool defensive double up that you were considering. Sure. Yeah. So uh, I think Dave's kind of spot on when he says that Firmino seems to be ignored as an option. Like the fact of the matter is that he's the tenth most owned forward in the top 10k with less than four percent ownership. So that probably says enough about that. 
Now, he, he isn't at the races with the likes of Kane, Aubameyang, even Salah, if you want to compare to a teammate, in terms of gross numbers of chances. But the quality of his chances, if you're to look at the number of big chances, for example, are actually quite similar to the best of them. Salah is the league leader in the last five games for big chances with uh, seven, and Firmino has five. So he's there, consistent minutes, good chances. Uh, Dave himself noted that that uh, Firmino does have four good upcoming fixtures. Um, I don't really want to get bogged down in game week 31 talk this far away. I, I don't really think you should be making any transfers with game week 31 in mind right now. It's just, you know, too far, just too much, too much time, too many things could happen between now and then to start thought, thinking about that. So basically, yeah, Firmino, good player, definitely a one fantastic differential. He is actually getting the chances, whereas he wasn't earlier in the season, and he is scoring the goals as well, as we've seen. Um, mm-hmm. Looking at what he was asking us about with regards to Liverpool defence, look, I pretty much have shown my hand on this already. I'm already thinking that a double up in Liverpool's defence is the best way to go. Uh, if you're just thinking about it really logically, the fact of the matter is that, okay, uh, Don, quick question for you. Liverpool score a goal, who are you most likely going to think it is? It's Mo Salah. Now, second. Who's second? Bobby Firmino. Yeah, but is he though? Like, you know, it could be absolutely anyone. That second, that second answer is a serious. Could, it's true. Yeah, it is true. Yeah, no, it, I mean, you could, you could be looking at a, you could be looking at anyone. You really, you literally. Mane. You could be looking at just a freak goal. Less like reliability. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, so what you're looking at really is that second clean sheet comes a lot more easily to you um, through a second defender than that second goal does through the likes of Mane or Shakiri or your uh, Bobby Firmino or anyone else. So, well, it's 13 clean more. sheets, right? So exactly and exactly, and they far do, and away the best. Yeah, they're keeping clean sheets about as consistently as you'll pick up a goal from a forward. And yeah. so, you know, be a forward beyond Salah. Salah is scoring way more consistently than, you know, let's say the clean sheets are coming, if that makes sense. But beyond yeah. that, I think then I think that's probably the answer. It is, yeah. I mean, and one one thing, like when I was even looking at my own team this week, um, Robertson came in with nine points because he got his clean sheet and his three points, bonus points. Yeah. Um, Salah came in with 11 points. And that wasn't a bad performance from Salah. He scored the only goal of the game and so on. But... Because of the the amount of clean sheets Liverpool are keeping, there's a lot of bonus points tied up there in defence as well. Absolutely. Um, and when we talk about the likes of Robertson and Trent especially, they're actually often providing the assists as well to mm. the yeah. attack. So you might miss the attacker. It's much of it, you know, you're going to get the, the clean sheet and you know, the odds of getting the assist off one of those two defenders in particular are pretty good compared to any sort of normal average. Yeah, so, going back to your question you had there, going, who would you expect to see on the assist? You are as likely to see Robertson's name on an assist as Mane, for as instance, anyone, and actually. or Mane. Yeah. But um, yeah. the uh, you know, hundred percent. One thing I did want to tie in with was you were mentioning Bobby Firmino, and I think he has he's gotten a lot more forward. I think that um, Klopp has, as much as he's a great team player, and he does tend to track back very far, and he kind of you see him often picking up the ball in midfield. I've noticed he has seemed to be pushing on. Now I don't know this by the numbers. Or heat maps, but he does seem to be more further forward. He he's kind of relying more on his teammates to get the ball to him as opposed to coming deep all the time. So um, you know, I think he definitely is he definitely is somebody I would be considering um 
when, when or if I move away from Aubameyang. Um, I don't know when that's going to be now because I'm not going someone, he's been in such good form that I'm not just going to get rid because of a couple of kind of slow weeks because with his chances created, with all the stats and the way he's been playing, I can see a big hole coming from him and he's always captain, um, captain option. And but, uh, Don, I have, no. I have answers for you statistically on uh, Firmino. I've done a quick run there. I've looked at his averages between game weeks 1 to 18 and then like 18 on to now. Um, his expected goals for all of those that absolutely hate expected goals, it's gone up from an average of about 0.3 per game to about 0.7 per game. His touches, mm. his involvement, his shots per game, everything has like gone up. Like, yeah. put it in perspective, we'll just go for like his goal attempts in the box is up slightly, his goal attempts as well are up slightly, but it's the big chances that are up slightly more. Um, in fairness, he's gone from about 0.4 of a big chance per game, so one every second game basically, and pretty yeah. much consistently won per game in the last five weeks. I think he's got, um, I think people are, you know, it is one of those things you can kind of a little bit of blinkers with players because they do go through different stages in a season and players will go through different periods of form and stuff and even positioning. Um, and I think Firmino, yeah, is someone that people have t- taken their eye off a little bit, but um, at his yeah, price well, tag. Yeah, well, you look at him in the, the you know, the point standings and it, I found it quite surprising how high up he was in the forwards. Um it's, it's like he's just kind of been sneaking on up there because he is a player that many have dismissed. I brought him in for a very brief two-week spell um, when I brought Sterling in and then shipped him straight back again, full of resentment. But anyone who might have had him for the previous few weeks uh, has done really well. And historically, Firmino's been fairly streaky at times. So, But I felt like in watching him, he has felt to me more involved um, just from the eye test over recent weeks than he certainly was in the first part of the season. And that's obviously made clear by Stag's stats there. Mm, yeah, 100%. Um, Kylie, I'll stick with you on this. Um, this is going to round out our LFC defensive double-ups. So there's a couple of kind of selection or transfer questions. And also, um, Alonso was tied into this one. Mm-hmm. So Prashant Tawari was, FPL Prashant was asking, he wants to double up on the LFC defense, as we mentioned earlier on, but he's just wondering who should he take out. So he has Robo, Pereira, Digne, um, Biscuits and Alonso. And he says, please don't say Alonso. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, of them ones, it probably would be, even though you are left in that situation with what I actually probably have at the moment, where you have five playable, good attacking um, defenders, and you have a bit of a selection headache every week with that one. But um, but what's your thoughts on that? Prashant was saying Pereira looks like the choice, but people keep saying he's a season keeper from game week 27, but his next few fixtures are bad. So if you really want to double up on the LFC defence, um, who would you be advising Prashant to take out for them? He's created a headache here. And it, like this is interesting because this is exactly what I had been suffering from over the Christmas break with um, with my plays because I essentially had the exact same defence, but with Doherty in, instead of Pereira. And you just couldn't win because they all warrant inclusion in almost to any given week. In terms of what he has and what's out on the table there, look, I just sold Alonso. So my straight up answer would be Alonso, I think. Um, And not because he's not a worthy inclusion, but just because of the, the price piece. 
But regardless, I think even if he leaves Alonso in, that Prashant's going to have some difficulties with that defence unless he's planning on playing at least four in any given game week. Of those five that are there, what I would probably do is a bit of a switcheroo. We love that word, but I, I'd probably be willing to sacrifice Pereira for the moment, given the upcoming fixtures. This is only if you're absolutely determined that you want to bring in a second Liverpool defender and you don't want to get rid of Alonso, right? So we've got some mm. parameters there. But given the fixtures, I'd probably be inclined to bring Trent in for Pereira until game week 27, at which point I'd probably leave Trent in there and then bring Pereira in for Digne, given the fact that from that point on, Everton essentially have one difficult fixture followed by one decent fixture and on and on and on. And so they're all sandwiched there. So you may not want to play him as often at that stage. Mm. The issue with that is that you're burning a couple of transfers there. And if you're happy with that and you really want to keep Alonso, then that would be probably what I would do. And uh, and you'd hope that you don't have other fires, you know, between now and 27, I guess. But there's a lot of merit in double Liverpool defence, as we've, we've said. And, you know, while Pereira is a great option, and I think certainly from 27 onwards, he's a really, really attractive option. Um, you could probably do a lot better out of having um, double, Alexander uh, Arnold in there, yeah. certainly between now and 27. Nice one. And um, Sean Slimbrick was asking the same question, basically Alonso, Digne or uh, Doherty. So uh, for, for basically for the Liverpool defender. But um, of those, I'd probably go Alonso. Um, yeah, well, that's what yeah. I did. So I, yeah, yeah. I kept Yeah, that's right. And, that's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. Um, Stag, actually, you went Alonso. So um, same answer on that one. So we'll, we'll leave that one off. Um, FBL executive was asking about um, is holding Alonso just stupid or make the move to Dini? So uh, he already has the LFC double up. We don't think it's stupid, but uh, but per- personally, David Luiz is offering probably the same kind of returns. Um, and yeah, and better returns and Dini as well. Um, you know, assist potential and so on. It's the Alonso price tag, which is always causing a lot of pressure with uh, with his returns. He does need to keep on returning, and um, when he doesn't, you really do notice it as a bit of a hole in your uh, in your budget. You see, this um, is let's the thing, move. Like, what what is the opportunity cost of him holding Alonso? Like, sure, he's kind of being a little bit binary about it and saying, "Oh, well, I you know I don't see the problem with holding Alonso." And it's like, sure, yeah, he's 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 a good defender. Like, I can see why you'd hold him. He's still getting you clean sheet points. But what the fact are you losing matter, out on? How much are you paying for those clean sheets compared to what yeah. you could be paying for those clean sheets? And I think yeah. that's what he's kind of missing out on with the way he's kind of phrased that question. Yeah, no, I know a lot of a lot of people are too. That's one thing I did mention last week was, you know, people when Alonso does assist or even when he got his bonus points the last day and he got eight or nine points, and people were kind of doing the "I told you so" kind of tweets. But the point is, at that price, you you are there's a lot of other players, including the aforementioned David Luiz, who are returning more at least as much, and if not more, um, at a lot reduced money, and you and- can use that money better elsewhere. 
Well, the thing about it is this was a subject that we visited earlier in the season and I think Alonso had maybe only recently um, stopped getting attacking returns. And so we did field a couple of questions about whether looking at David Luiz was a viable option as an alternative. And at that t- at that stage, we weren't seeing any real additional benefit outside of getting the customary Chelsea clean sheet because it wasn't really getting the, the bonus points um, no more or less than anyone else. And he certainly wasn't delivering on any attacking returns. We have seen a complete shift now. So there was merit in, in choosing him just purely based on price at, at that stage with an acknowledgement that you weren't looking for the extras. What we're seeing now is that people are holding Alonso because of the fact that he does have this legacy and there's always that feeling that he will turn it up at some point and and deliver a, a huge score. But the reality is that those people who have banked that, you know, at one stage, I think it was 1.7 million difference, who have probably had that elsewhere in their team where they've been accruing points separately as well. But they've also had a lot of bonus points. They've had the assist at the weekend. I think there was another assist as well, certainly that 15-point haul when he got the goal and the clean sheet. So he's actually, while seemingly underwhelming, has also been delivering attacking returns all through this period that Alonso has not given us anything further to justify the huge difference in price. Yeah, like maybe just to illustrate what you were saying, Kylie, is uh, Don, you're, you're going to be the guinea pig again for this question. But how many more bonus points do you think that Alonso has than David Luiz? Um, Off your head. I, about it. But, I, well, one or two. Yeah, it's one. It is just yeah. one mm. point. And um, to rattle off stats again, uh, the fact of the matter is, is that it's actually David Luiz who's posing more of a goal threat and actually posing more of a chance of assists as well in the last few weeks yeah. by... Any metric that you look at. In the and and the, he's delivered the, them. This is the thing. It's not just yeah, statistics. Yeah. He's actually yeah, doing yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's the postman. And the your um the and the, the other actually the, the, there was one thing I was going to actually say with Alonso is his ownership is obviously a bit scary still because even though he's had price drops he is still uh, now you'll know Stag she'll have it in front of you but I think he's still high thirties isn't he in ownership. The highest so defender still is. Yeah, he? it still is. So he is a scare. There is a certain scare factor with him. Um, but the but you know that if he does have a massive game week and David Luiz doesn't, and that's one thing you need need to consider is, in a way, David Luiz is your safety blanket because if Alonso has a massive game week, there's a good chance there's a clean sheet tied in there that Luiz will also provide. Um, you know, it is a little bit more risky if you do go for another player and you're and you're without him. But you know, um, this, this is a swings and roundabouts. I guess we have an FBL. You can't have them all. If you here, if you want, I'll just I'll hit that uh, stat briefly yep. on that. Like Alonso is in three. He's in thirty-seven point nine percent of top ten K teams. Luis is in about half that many teams in the top ten K at this point. To put it in mm. perspective, so yeah. like even. If Luis has a really good week at this point, you're actually losing out if you're, you know, like, look, I'm using the top 10K as a way to just look at very active teams. And that kind of shows that Alonso's in an awful lot of dead teams because his overall actual ownership in the game is, hold on, as I quickly scramble to get it, is about, what, 37.8% as well, actually. So it's about the same. But um, I think you're being punished just as much by a big Luis 
day at this point as you are by a yeah. big Alonso day. Yeah, true. Um, great stuff. Um, let's move on to, as we mentioned, Hurricane. Now, we did talk a bit about it earlier on, so this one might be quicker answers. Um, FBL El Clasico was asking this question, maybe irrelevant, um, but if Kane is confirmed out for Game Week 23, which forwards would you consider? He already owns Rashford, so could it be time for Kun? Of course, the Kun sitting on the bench tonight didn't uh, didn't help unless he came on and scored. Um, it's it probably will slow down his transfers. That that would have been the obvious one in some ways for people to, if they see um, Aguero returning from injury and Kane going down, it would be a kind of very easy move for a lot of people. Um, but uh, but that might have put the skids on that one a little bit. Uh, Dom J. Dominic um, was asking if Kane is injured, is having premium midfield and three relatively cheap price strikers such as Raf- Rashford, Jimenez, Wilson, um, the way to go for the next three or four game weeks? And uh, Nick Sadkukan um, was saying, assuming Kane is fit for the Fulham game, so he's been more optimistic there. Can we see a more attacking Harry Kane once Son goes out? Um, we did kind of talk about Son a good bit earlier on on that one, Sagnik. So uh, I think none of us are really anticipating this being a good thing with Son gone for Kane or for anyone really with with Spurs. But uh, who would be a good option to replace Anderson with within uh, six and a half million? So um, let's give this one, Kylie, come to you first on it. Um, what is, for, for Kane owners, I know we talked about it, but who would be, say, your top three forwards that you would like to be replacing Kane with? So, uh, like, like the um, the question stated, I I would have been looking at Aguero. I wouldn't say that I'm not looking at Aguero now, but um, the fact that Jesus has has done well today, uh, while Aguero was on the bench. I mean, I know Aguero had an illness earlier in the week, so that's probably why he was on the bench there. Um, but Pepperlet's a thing. And, you know, I'm pretty sure that last time we saw Jesus deliver those two goals where he played really well, um, not that long ago, um, he got to play the next match. So it, it might make me a little bit cagey. Um, and I'd probably be airing on the side of uh, City midfield in that instance. Aubameyang is off form at the moment, but he still has the ability to do really well. Um, I know they play Chelsea, and I'm, I'm a bit mer- on that that match. But I think people who are holding him, uh, a lot of people who are holding him, were planning on selling him, and I think that they're probably looking at at keeping him now um, and and selling Kane instead. I think Firmino has appeal, uh, given what we were discussing earlier, and and the lack perhaps of of really attractive options. I'm not sure that I would want to go full budget up front. There was one point at the se- in the season when I had uh, Lacazette as my most expensive striker. And actually, it worked out quite well. And obviously, it lends a lot of money in your midfield, which can be really appealing. But I, I think that might be a step too far for me. But if you're willing to take a gamble there, and and recognise that you're probably going to need to take a hit in the not too distant future to rectify that situation and and bring a forward up front. Then, you know, it's probably a time where you can take a few gambles. Where we're at this point of the season, we want to make moves. We're getting somewhat closer to uh, blank game weeks and double game weeks. So 
We had a little bit of stability over the next couple of weeks. So if you wanted to do something like that while there isn't a desperately obvious option there, then it's worthy of consideration, I'd say. Good stuff, Kylie. Great answer. Um, let's move on more Spurs talk. So it's a, lo- a lot of Tottenham tonight, but um, FBL Claret was talking about Lucas Mora. Um, Stag, talk to us about him. Assuming Kane is got out, are there Spurs players you'd look at? Um, now, we, we did talk a lot about the kind of players that we think could benefit, and Ali is the one you recommended earlier on there. Um, so we'll, get, we'll give Claret, that's uh, Ali is our answer on that one. FBL yeah, Thunder. And, and, and probably in second place for me is Lamella, to be perfectly honest with Ooh. you. Yeah. Yeah, By but, default, but, I would agree, even though he is crap, but they but, will have to score somehow. But the honest answer is that if Pochettino says something somewhat favourable towards Llorente uh, during the week, then I think I'm more likely to bring him in because I actually have the budget to change camera, who, uh, Fulham's camera now, um, who looks like he might be on the way out to him with relative ease and having a player like Urente up front um, it just seems like a handy alternative if if it does turn out that Kane is going to miss about four weeks then mm. I actually might just bring in Urente that's, that's a good that. shout actually because I, I was mentioning Ron you know if you wanted to do a bit of a restructure if you had Kane for Lorente, but that's a good one if you're downgrading yeah. one of your uh, your exactly your budget, like you'd be my, you'd be my new be, or yeah exactly you're just changing your budget forwards like I think I'd much rather have your yeah, rotating, yeah, changing it. Yeah, yeah. Seventy minutes one day, thirty minutes the next day, then camera. Yeah, and actually, possibly, I, I guess the with the Spurs thing, here's where it is interesting. Um, none of us really know what's what's going to happen there, how they're going to look and indeed perform. There's a lot of questions, but what we do know is that they have very limited options in terms of who can play, and the options that can play outside of Ali and Ericsson, are really cheap. So, Lorente, um, Lucas Mora, Lamella, you know, they, if you're looking at a punt, and to be quite honest, in that sub-seven bracket, certainly in midfield, it's quite murky. You know, there's a couple of options floating around there, but none that are, are really that attractive given the fixtures if you were going full punt mode i think that you could buy one of them i think both lamella and mora are quite cheap um and certainly lamella is closer to six million i think um but you could you could take a punt on one of them but i i think you'd do it in the knowledge that uh, this wasn't necessarily going to you know um be earth shattering it's, it's, it's a punty punt yeah, the, yeah. The um, this is their last now of Spurs talk of the night because um, because we're we're sick of talking Spurs at this point, aren't we, folks? <laughs> but uh, FBL Thunder Jeff was asking about um, Mister Mr. Jeff Holt here. <laughs> um, <laughs> he or she? Yeah, I know exactly. Yeah. Um, how do you think Son and Kane so um, absence will affect other Spurs assets? So we talked about the attackers, but one thing he mentions about the defense. What's what's your thinking? Is stick with you, Kylie, on it. Um, on the impact on the defense. If Luis Lorente up front, could we see a situation where maybe Trippier might become more involved as you know the big man up front and slightly? You know, obviously, he's less mobile than what Harry Kane is. Um, is it a thing that it could have an impact on Spurs um, at defensive options? You know, the fullbacks or or any if anyone is holding, say, Larice or any of the other defensive options from Spurs. 
I don't think that I would, given the fact that the fixtures are positive, I don't think that I'd necessarily rush to to sell them. I wouldn't be bringing them in because I'd really want to see um, what they look like in the first match anyway. Um, but I think those those defenders weren't playing in in the fixtures anyway. The, the ones that would always seemingly be attractive are the likes of Trippier um, and and Davis and so on. But it's the same thing where we never feel completely certain uh, as to who is going to play in any game week. So mm. while we might see them doing respectably in that period, I think I would still be avoiding an acquisition there. And then if you have, if you still have Trippier in your team, or if you have Lloris, certainly you're not going to be selling him based on the fact that they have a, a shortage of, of players going on. Forwards, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, nice one. Um, we have a couple of rate transfer kind of questions, and uh, FBL King, the Fantasy King 2, was asking. Now, there, the Hazard does pop up in a couple of these, so I'll lump them together and I'll give them to you then, Stag. Um, he was saying he has two free transfers, and he's thinking about saying bye-bye to Ernie, um, who did wave goodbye. And uh, the next one is tough, but Hazard is on the chopping block. So in would come Rashford and Sterling um, for Hazard, and Arnautovic, um, he'd have a healthy 0.8 in the bank, and he's wondering, is it a good move, especially the Hazard, getting rid of Hazard? FBL Jogger was asking about his Hazard to Sané or David Silva to fund Ings to Jimmy Ness or uh, Rashford, a good move. So um, what's your thinking on Rashford, on Hazard in particular, um, Stag? I know he's high-owned. He is a bit streaky, as we all know, um, the FPL troll, as people like to call him. So um, what's your thinking on Hazard, people who do still own him? Um, would he be a kind of buyer or sell for you? Well, I, I guess the best thing I can really say is that I, I sold him before just the last game week. I didn't want to hold him anymore. I was, Correct, yes. Yeah, I was just feeling that there were better options out there that I could use that money in a better way. Like the, I was holding him at the cost of not holding Mohamed Salah, and that was just far too much. And so I felt I had to sell him. Like looking at the tea, at the option that King presented to us there, he was looking at bringing in Rashford and Sterling for Hazard and Enedovic to remind people. Now, what I think is good about that is the Rashford bit. Um, I do wonder about the Sterling bit just because there are he is kind of one of these real budget suckers and he's just that bit more expensive than, let's say, Sane, who uh, I was watching the City game at the corner of my eye here, who looked a lot more dangerous tonight um, while he was on the pitch in the bits that I was able to see anyway. And generally, I just have preferred Leroy Sané in the latter stage of this season, and let's say the latter half of this half of the season that we've had, then compared to Sterling. Uh, Back to Hazard, generally, it's a very tough one. I feel sell because there are better options out there, but I would not be selling him with a view towards taking some kind of punt. Not that I think anyone with sense would do that. But you'd need to be making a pretty sensible transfer. I think Sterling somewhat falls under the risk right now. Whereas, let's say, if you were bringing in Pogba, who's clearly in form, or Salah, if you didn't have him, I only fixed that a week ago myself, or whatever, I totally see why you'd do it. Um, Look, that said, um, Chelsea do play against Arsenal this weekend. Um, I think of all the games that they could score well in, I think Arsenal are actually a team that they could do well against. I think Shakram Mustafi is a man who has a penchant for giving away penalties or making last-ditch tackles. Um, that probably lends itself toward giving away a penalty at some point. 
Um, I'll sound like Nostradamus if they do give away a penalty at this point, but I think that really is a positive. Like the penalty taking uh, is going to be a real positive in Hazard's column this week compared to any other week in my head, anyway. Um, yeah. So maybe now isn't the time to move. Like I think people need to be reminded that you're going to have two full weeks without FPL or ten full days, I guess, without FPL after this week, and that we're lo- it's you're looking at an FA Cup weekend following this weekend um, to try and not sound too convoluted. So you have 10 days. It's a midweek game week 24 as opposed to like after 23. So you have that bit more time and there are more games. So there's probably more of a want to have two free transfers than usual. So maybe King could just move Rashford or get Rashford in for Arnautovic without needing to use the second of his two free transfers. Like it is a time that you might and want to have two free transfers. It sounds like he would be able to given that Sterling is slightly more expensive than Hazard. Yeah. Correct. I would agree that and, that makes sense, yeah. yeah. And, he, and he's also talking about having 8.8 in the bank. And just to answer Jogger's question, since he did answer it, uh, is Hazard to Sané or Dilva to fund Ings to Jimenez or Rashford a good move? Uh, yes, on paper, not Dilva. I would go for Sané over Dilva. But overall, yeah, it's a decent move. Good stuff. And I'll quickly stick to you, actually, um, Stag, just on this one. The best sub-7 mil midfield option, Sankol or Mandavia, I was asking. So um, just give us your quick rundown on who's your who's your favourite kind of budget midfielders. Uh, the one who keeps punishing me is uh, Ryan Fraser, but Brooks looked a bit better than him last weekend, so maybe he's the one to have. Um, if you're trying to save an absolute shed load of money, Jason Punchin at Huddersfield could be particularly interesting at 4.2. Uh, like to sub 6.5 is kind of where things start to get risky. Like Pedro is in there in that bracket as well. Pereira from Watford is in there. And uh, Nasri's in there, actually. He could be an yeah, interesting. Yeah, they're, they're, they're kind of boom bust. Nasri is kind of interesting. He looked, he looked good. Yeah, um, do you know what? Lamella's in there as well. And perhaps if you yeah. want to take the risk, you know, maybe he is the one to tow in this time. Yeah, um, Brooks is definitely somebody I'll be looking at as as an enabler. I, I At the moment, I have a lot of money spread fairly evenly in my squad, and um, Brooks would be one. Um, that I would look because as price tag, even with a couple of price rises, um, he looks quality and yeah, he looks yeah. nailed on. Yeah, um, Bournemouth are kind of in that annual deaths world that they kind of go into at some point yeah. in the Premier League yeah. season, and once they escape that, especially, he'll be a very good option. But even last weekend, he looked really good. He did, yeah. He's like, like his price is perfect for the bench because um, I do have I have a lot of players around the seven mil mark, and I know a lot of people do. Um, and probably down the line would would look to kind of uh, it it makes makes selection decisions kind of week in week out kind of more difficult. Um, and uh, I think I would be happy enough with leaving Brooks and yeah at his price tag on the bench um, to come in in emergencies or even in uh, you know if if someone does get rotated. But uh, thanks a mil, um, folks. Let's move on to our game week plans for game week twenty three and also our Barlow on ball with captain picks. Uh, for new listeners, um, of course, the Barlow captain pick is the boring kind of standard if you were just kind of feeling a little bit more conservative this game week. And if you're feeling a bit ballsy, go for the Baldwin um, captain pick. So um, come to you first, um, Stag, as our guest. Um, give us your plans for the coming game week and give us your captain picks. Uh, my plan is to wait until Friday or Thursday at the minimum to figure out what's actually going on with Harry Kane because that'll decide whether or not I make this move to Llorente, which, to be honest, is probably top of my agenda going into this game week. Like I have only one free transfer. I'll probably use it um, even after pontificating about trying to have two free transfers after this game week. Um, 
looking at captaincy picks, it's probably going to be Salah, really boring Barlow pick there for me, and he's probably going to be my captain. Um, now that I have him, I might as well make the most of that. Mm. Uh, if I was to pick a slightly riskier option, I would probably actually say Eden Hazard. Yeah, Even for the pen, like, for the penalty you know, shelter, Ron, you're not so damaged. Yeah, and like, yeah. and like Arsenal are vulnerable generally. If you want someone like who's a way lower ownership, then I think you need to be looking at the likes of Felipe Anderson, as we were saying, Bournemouth are in death roll, uh, now managerless, uh, Huddersfield. Like you're going to have a few of the Man City players um, are going to be playing him. Some of them are very low ownership and could be a, they're a risky pick relative to the FPL world, but they're not risky, you know, in your head. Yeah, so, yeah. Could be an option there too. Good shouts, good shouts. I think uh, in the hindsight, I think, um, Stag, as you listen to this and as the week goes on, I think you might look at the Laurenti move as being a bit of a waste to transfer. And uh, because I do know I'd like the sense of it, but, you know, when you're actually mentioning, and it's it's a good point, that those two free transfers are something you'd really like to have for the break. Yeah, And that's um, it. if you yeah. do make that move, are you going to be starting Laurenti, say, next game week? Or is he just yeah. going to be a transfer for your bench? Um, it's it's food for thought, I guess, as the week goes on. But uh, it's good advice. Do hold on. We do need to get a little bit more news, hopefully later on in the week. Um, how about yourself, Kylie? Give us your plans for the coming game week, and um, also give us your captain picks. Well, given that I have Kane, I'm in very much the situation where I need to wait and see. And as I mentioned, the key thing that I want to get into my team this week is City Attack and that previous to this Kane injury situation was somewhat of a challenge because I didn't have any obvious way to get City Attack in short of selling Hazard and I think I was point one off Sterling and slightly concerned about Sane with this whole Mendy thing um, happening I feel like if you have Sane, it's great, but I'm not so sure I want to be bringing him in at this point. So if Kane is out for uh, even just the one week, I, I probably will sell him, though whether I, I I don't really want to take a hit. Indeed, I you know I think it would have been great to go into next week with two free transfers, but I'm not willing to sit and uh, endure another City match without any attacks. So I'm going to have to look at what is the, the best approach there, given the fact that Aguero only played about 15 or so minutes tonight. Um, in terms of captaincy, the safe option is, of course, um, Salah, because Salah, and that's why I brought him in for this uh, whole perma-captain idea, which I probably won't even do anyway, but um, certainly this week he seems viable. Um, the risky captain, I would say Rashford. While not risky in terms of recent form, you know, it, there's still the fact that Lukaku's hovering in the wings. I wouldn't say I'm particularly concerned that um, Lukaku is going to move him. Indeed, Lukaku's been coming on for Martial in, in recent weeks when he's come off the bench. But comparatively, he is a risky option um, when you hold him up against some of the stalwarts that we look at, like Hazard and and Aguero and uh, Kane and, and Salah. But I think his form, you know, it's irresistible. Um, and he has been so super to own over the last month or so um, that, you know, I, I think that he's absolutely a worthy choice if you're looking at going something a bit different this week. 
Good stuff. Thanks, Mill Kylie. And um, 100% on the Barlow, it's definitely Salah, although he's not boring at all to watch. Um, and um, and I'll I'll echo Stag's thoughts on Anderson as the Baldwin captain pick because I can't remember a match I've seen Borna playing barely that they didn't end like 4-3 or 6-4. But uh, no, there just seems to be always goals involved in Bournemouth matches. So uh, so I would fancy that one as a, as a risky shout. Um, thanks a million, folks. That's all we got time for on tonight's show. We have been um, Kylie, who you can find at KylieFPL. Myself, you can find at The Marple Curse. Of course, follow our buddy Mars um, at Mars05 and give him a shout out to his, his Palestinian boys. And uh, hopefully they'll do the business tonight. Or is it tonight or tomorrow night they're playing? But uh, I think it's tomorrow night. Um, the, uh, and he's he's very excited about it. So uh, hopefully they'll do well. Thanks to me and Stag, FBL Stag. Of course, if you're not following him on Twitter, do. Um, and uh, thanks to me and for coming on the show again. It's great talking to you. Absolute pleasure. is good fun as always. Please like, share and rate the podcast as it makes us happy. Thanks for your support. Good luck in game week 23. Adios, amigos. Adios, amigos.